Howdy, milkmaids. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Welcome to the Weirding Hour, the podcast where we talk about all topics weird and wonderful, rip the piss out of each other, and do a fun little craft at the same time. I'm Mimi. And the rest of you are silent. Okay. <laughs> I'm Rhea. I'm refusing to go. No, I'm Nina. <laughs> so, guys, this week we're talking about maritime archaeology. And we're going to be doing some painting at the same time. Uh, are you guys using watercolour, acrylic? What you got? Uh, always acrylic. Yeah, acrylic's quick. Uh, watercolour is fucking hard. But also we're painting water, so I feel like acrylic is quite quite difficult to capture the the like movements and the light uh, i'm not going for accuracy <laughs> um, my painting today i feel is going to be quite ambitious so we'll see how the hell that turns out at the end Ooh. so i needed to look up exactly what maritime archaeology meant yes uh, as and good i'm not the thickest person on the podcast um and basically it's a fancy set of words for the study of physical objects left by humans in the sea oh uh, yeah uh, thank you wikipedia oh i didn't look it up i just went oh shipwrecks and yeah so it is usually the result of shipwrecks or earthquakes so stuff just like slaps into the sea um <laughs> slaps like a dick on a cheesecake this oh. slaps. Um, so yeah, it's basically uh, no. We're not. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Let's go back to that phrase. Is that? Uh, did you just make that up? Is that no. a regular part of your vocabulary? Yeah, that's in my vernacular, one hundred percent. Dick on, right. slap down like a dick on a cheesecake. Nice, cool. Carry on. So, in summary, <laughs> <laughs> weird stuff at the bottom of the ocean. And having said all of that. I've now kind of like walled myself in uh, with that definition because there's a technicality with my story that I need to prepare you both for. And I feel like oh, this is quite... she's one <laughs> of us, one yeah. of us. She hasn't done the toffee. <laughs> yeah, so I felt like this was in keeping with your guys's general complete disregard for what we've agreed to do. So I thought I'd get <laughs> yes. in there nice and early. Yes. So my story takes place in a particular kind of sinkhole linked to a series of cave systems near the coast that is connected to and filled with water from the ocean <laughs> okay so it is ocean water and there just there just happens to be like a smidge of fresh water on the top of this water but oh, i'm really? taking it it's a pond <laughs> it's it's an underground this is, pond this is a freshwater pond in the <laughs> center of a country <laughs> as far as possible from any coastline no no it's I in am a landlocked country yeah it's in switzerland um i am kind of stretching the definition of here i recognize that oh. that it's not quite love it I maritime love it. i love to not do what i'm going to be doing but it's well interesting because what i found when i was researching is when you do shipwrecks all of the interesting ones they've never like found so it's not actually archaeology okay. Yeah. Or it's like, oh, this boat sank and it was because Captain Smith went 14 degrees off route for 2,000 knots 
and like that's like the end of the explanation and it's really really boring for 2000 knots oh my gosh <laughs> that was adorable not the speed uh, oh not distance <laughs> so we can we can tell how much time i've spent on boats i'm more that's than like by like saying gone off course by 200 miles an hour <laughs> Also, where well, you would have gone very off course. <laughs> yeah, I'm more of the like sunbathing on the top of the yacht kind of vibe than I am like in the engine room. What driving seat? Yeah, do you drive not? boats? Um, you skipper them. Sk- shut up, guys. That's not real. I used to be a skipper. That was literally my job. So I know <sighs> about boats, y'all. Mimi's so... there with a fucking yacht. Well. This is going to be this week's biology degree. This is Nina's specialist subject. And you're going to make me look like an idiot. So let's have fun. I mean, I'm really not. I don't know that much about boats. But you do know that what I'm about to talk about is definitely absolutely not in the sea or maritime in any way. (laughs) But it was still a boat couldn't get in that sinkhole. No, it couldn't. (laughs) But but also actually a puddle that someone's dropped something in <laughs> yeah but it's really interesting so hear me out <laughs> yeah I'm here for it I'm here for it okay good <laughs> so it was uncovered by scuba divers in salty seawater so I think you'll find that that's also the format in which shipwrecks are uncovered actually oh, right okay cool so what you should know is that the coast of Mexico is littered with these things called cenotes i think that's how you say it um and some of these were used as the site of ancient mayan human sacrifices and some of them have reputations so bad that some of the locals will still refuse to go anywhere near these sinkholes that are filled with ocean water so that's the name of the sinkholes yeah the cenotes So even if an archaeologist is brave enough to venture down there, uh, the local guides that have to take them insist on doing this ceremony known as the Hetz Loom, which literally translates to the calming of the earth. And this whole ceremony is to ask the gods for permission to enter the cenote, and they have to make an offering to the cavern's guardian. Um, I'm so, sorry. I that is that I know. I've just realised I'm being really disrespectful, but also, can I come in your hole? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you wait. You wait until you hear what the guardian of that hole is. Oh. So there's one uh, particular cenote that's called Sokwaium, and in this case, its guardian is an enormous feathered serpent with a horse's head that is known to hide in trees and snatch children from the local villages. Standard. Yeah. So, yeah, sounds like Rhea's Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> so once you've uh, calmed your giant serpent, you need to rappel down at least 40 feet to the water's surface, that salt water that is hiding just under that fresh water at the surface. <laughs> um and all the while you have to like navigate these huge stalactites that are hanging down. And if you look at pictures of these things, they look so cool. Nina, particularly with your love of like swimming and water. I think you would absolutely love it. It looks really cool. Oh, I don't fuck with caves, man. <laughs> yeah, well, especially with what I'm not an idiot in this one. It's not the descent. 
So from there, once you've reached the water, you are ready to dive into the horrors within. So the skeletal remains of humans are usually found littered throughout the bottom of these underwater caverns, uh, including quite a few human skulls. And the extra weird thing about these skulls is that they are elongated. So they're like really weird looking, almost like alien skulls. Conets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. And I think actually were like some of these were the inspiration for some of the like alien monster creation, which is pretty cool. So there is an explanation for this, and it's that body modification was a really common practice by the ancient Mayan people. And they did this thing called cranial flattening. And it was actually considered a form of communication with their deities. Um, And some of the records report that their gods desired this shape because it was more noble, more handsome, and allowed them to carry greater burdens throughout their life. Like, what I don't know, literally on their heads. Not quite sure about that. Taller the skull, closer to God, right? Yeah. (laughs) You know what they say? That common saying. Yeah. Nearly as common as dick on a cheesecake. (laughs) (laughs) So this practice was actually really common against all sorts of classes of people. But particular shapes of deformation were reserved for their holy people and the governors of their communities. And in a lot of the ancient Mayan uh, cave, um, like, oh my God, what's it called? Uh, Cave carvings. You can see, like, certain types of people in the image are have a certain certain cranial deformation whereas like the priests have like the really high one like the mm. cone heads thing um and the way that they achieved this was like pretty brutal um the heads of babies and toddlers were deformed by this apparatus which they strapped to the front and back of the head it was like two planks on either side of their head oh. um and they did this while the infant's bones were still soft yeah, um, best time to do it. Otherwise, you don't want to do it when they're hard. That'd fucking hurt. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it fucking hurts regardless. Yeah, of I mean, how oh, yeah, it it's they not can't pleasant. talk, so <laughs> they can't talk. So fuck them. Well, I mean, it's going to yield slightly if if it's done to you or me. The way that our craniums are going to yield is slightly different. Yeah, Only my, slightly different. Yeah, my cranium yeah. ain't fucking yield into that. It'd be like nope. Yeah, it would it would break. Um. Also, Ria, you're sounding like quite an authority on this process. Cranium. No, I've just I used to read about the the Mayans a lot because I was quite interested in them. They're actually fascinating. I went on such a rabbit hole, and there's so much stuff I learned that I won't be able to tell you about just in this podcast. But Mm -hmm. massively recommend that you uh, read about the Mayans. So interesting. So one of the other really gross things is that it wasn't also that uncommon for the skull of the infant to split behind the ears oh yeah uh some of them died but actually most they got so good at it that most people made it to adulthood uh, after this treatment but yeah split behind the ears you know that like, you can feel like the bump where your skull is like different plates behind your ear yeah and yeah brains mm. hanging out Bra- brains e- hanging out <laughs> exactly that's actually oh. what that song's about um so not all of the bones that are in these cenotes are from human sacrifices um but there is definitely evidence that many were 
So I also started moving further and further away from the theme of the episode uh, <laughs> and the sea and reading way more about just ancient Mayan rituals. Uh, and what I found is that like the different ages of the victims, the method of sacrifice, um, they all went in and out of fashion. Uh, and like the Mayan civilization lasted like the hundreds of years. Um, so you had like early period, central period, late period. And like sometimes it was like female virgins. Sometimes it was young men. Sometimes it was warriors. Like it really depended on what kind of god you were trying to appease and at which point you lived in this civilization. Isn't isn't there a fact like the Mayans existed at the same time as Oxford University? Oxford, Oxford University, I think, was founded during by the Mayans. The Mayans. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they moved it over here when it fell into a sinkhole. Yeah. Yeah, into yeah the that sea. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it is, I think there is, isn't there another thing like the ninja culture was around at the same time as Abraham Lincoln and around the same time that like the fax were invented or something within Lincoln's lifetime? You could like send a fax from a ninja to Abraham Lincoln or something. Uh, Please don't quote me directly on that. No, I'm I'm not going to. Our uh, sources will be in the show notes. Yes, particularly the one about Abraham Lincoln and ninjas. Anyway, so in my in my readings about the ancient Mayans uh, and particularly about their sacrifice rituals, uh, I found out also about some of the common means of sacrifice. Um, So a lot of them were killed by bow and arrow. Decapitation was also very popular. And this one is my favorite one. Heart removal, preferably while it was still beating. Yeah. So they wanted to hold your beating squirming heart in their hands that's yeah so just cool. like in uh indiana Cal- jones kalima yeah. Oh! yeah that is <laughs> every so often if will's like sat around looking like he's you know concentrating on something i will <laughs> try to remove his heart whilst chanting excellent <laughs> oh you um, sound so fun to live with <laughs> you actually do though kalima! i would love I would love you to do that to me in like a work call. <laughs> Who's yeah, that strange I'm, woman? Uh, I don't know, but she's trying to remove my heart. <laughs> but there's just something so brutal about the idea that the objective to be that it's still beating. And like, obviously, you can survive for like a few seconds after that. Like, Shut up. No, you can't. Yeah, while there's like still blood in your system, it's like um, being beheaded. Yeah, it depends. You've got a couple on of the... seconds level of trauma doesn't it I mean it's yeah. basically like some people can get a bump on the head and die immediately <laughs> and and some people can you know cut off their own <laughs> arm in a cave I and be yes. fine and walk home so <laughs> like that 127 hours dude yeah um so yeah the heart removal thing preferably while it was still beating sometimes though they were just flung into these cenotes alive and left to drown or starve so I kind of prefer starve yeah because if they they land yeah no no they're they're like huge caverns like at least 40 feet down oh with water at the bottom I was picturing like water you're picturing a a puddle a a pond yeah pond yeah (laughs) no so hole in the top air 
space <laughs> yeah yes. stalactites yes. yeah yes water yeah yeah right like 40 <laughs> feet go. yeah like 40 about about that oh um, man yeah so you just get stuck in the hole and like obviously get really dehydrated because there's only a very small amount of fresh water and it's mostly salt water so you can't even drink anything down there mm. um and so yeah I don't really have much more to say apart from the fact that ancient Mayans were absolutely kick-ass um, um okay that was amazingly short oh I do have one more thing um <laughs> priests would also dance in the skin of people oh! being sacrificed <gasps> how did you forget that bit is literally was the last sentence oh. of what I was trying to say before you oh, rudely so, interrupted me. That's so midsummer. It is oh what a movie, by the way. Absolute genius. It's, Put him in a bear and burn him. It's also very um silence of the lambs. Yeah. I mean, well, that's the other thing. Cannibalism, very heavily practiced also of the sacrificial victims. And wearing oh. lady skin. Yeah. Like Ed Gein. And throwing them down holes. Wells. Yeah. Wells. A well, is, a well is a big a hole with water at the bottom. It's true. It no. was going to get very yeah, the girl from there the There you ring. go, Nina. That felt like a new realization. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm proud of I'm just comparing the mines to um Silence of the Lambs. Probably yeah. very offensive. Sorry. I mean, they're not around anymore, are they to defend themselves, so there yeah, but like if they come back, I don't really want to be thrown down a well. <laughs> they were like amazing. And the really interesting thing about how their culture changed like through the ages as well is obviously you had the like Spanish invasion. And so loads of their modern rituals today are a mix of these like ancient Mayan gods, but then loads of European Christianity. So even in the calming of the earth ritual, They'll put loads of like spices and maybe like an animal sacrifice, but then they'll have a, a crucifix as part of the ritual as well. Oh. So it's just this really weird meld of like old world, new world, colonialism. Just it's just fascinating. Christianity getting everywhere, ruining everything. Well, exactly. Uh, but yeah, it was really fascinating. It's really dark, but also interesting. And I feel like I would love to be able to do that thing where I could like go back in a protective bubble and just observe and just watch all the watch, crazy shit. You want to watch yeah. dance around in some human skin? I don't. Well, just putting that he, out there. Mimi does. I really do. <laughs> I think it's so Mimi's a fucking psycho. Yes, I am. I mean, yeah. I don't want to do the sacrificing. Like, I'm not a monster. I just want to watch. I just want to watch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's all right then. Yeah. yeah. I hope I'm never like attacked by like a serial killer whilst you're nearby. Because <laughs> well, I'll just watch. Yeah, you'll just be like, "No, nah, you got this, Rhea. It looks, it looks cool." As I if I would encourage friends, you. But uh, I've always wanted to see someone being murdered. So, well, I just kind of feel like it would be a once in a lifetime opportunity. <laughs> Your friendship, I can find anywhere. Seeing well, someone, seeing yeah. someone get murdered. That's Mastercard. <laughs> Priceless. <laughs> That's number one. Um, right, are, yeah. are you finished? <laughs> I am. I mean, I could talk a lot more about Mayan civilization, but it definitely isn't about their relationship with the sea. Yeah, that. I feel like that's the most tenuous link we have ever had. Yes, 
I'm the winner again. <laughs> Told you I was going to win the podcast. Maybe we should give you a little tenuous award. Yay. That doesn't even really look like an award. Yeah, it's not it's, an award. It's a coin because no, awards that's, are made of gold. That's, too, that's not tenuous enough. It's okay. like a leaf. Because? Because it's very tenuous. Oh. <laughs> But not even like because leaves are bronze and no, sometimes just not water. just not even connected. Okay, cool. I feel like mine was there was salt water involved. There were <laughs> scuba divers involved. They found like ten skulls in each cave of all the caves that they explored. It was oh, and the other thing, oh, I've actually got way more content. Shut up. Um, you write any of it down, or you just <laughs> no, I'm just riffing. Um, the other thing I read, but it was actually quite similar to the survival stories that you guys were talking about, was to get through these caves in their scuba gear, they had to crawl on their bellies and they could hear their oxygen tanks like scraping oh, no. the, like at the top of the tunnel. Like it was that tight. Um, don't fuck with caves. Yeah, and pitch black. Rear nose. Rear yep. agree. Don't go in the fucking cave. Yeah. Don't, don't fuck with caves. Especially if you're Thai schoolboys. I'm yeah. not about small spaces with water in it. I'm not about that lifestyle. Well, then why no. don't you talk about some large spaces with water in it? Because I assume that both of you have done the actual ocean. Yeah, mine, obviously. Yeah, mine does happen <laughs> in the sea. Like a shipwreck normally would. <sighs> I had loads of ideas and none of them were it's good. It's brilliant. <laughs> it was brilliant. I love well, it. No, it I, I loved how tenuous it was. You're so welcome. Let me tell you about a shipwreck. <laughs> An actual shipwreck. Fine. So I'm going to be talking about the Andrea Doria. I'm sure you've never heard of it. Sounds dull. It's... <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it's not ancient Mayan civilization. Yeah. I want to hear about human skin or nothing. <laughs> okay, so it's... SS Andrea Doria, it was an ocean liner for the Italian line that carried passengers between Italy and New York, and it was designed for luxury. So it had a load of fancy features. It had three swimming pools. What? So one for each class for first cabin and tourist class. Um, and it had over $1 million spent on artwork and decor, and it was sometimes called or referred to as a floating art gallery. Which is really knobby. Yeah, that is knobby. <laughs> but Did they do was... any sacrifices? No. Doesn't sound like it. But it was basically built to show that Italy had recovered from World War Two. Um, so I've got a quote here for a country attempting to rebuild its shattered economy and reputation after World War Two. Andrea Doria was an icon of Italian national pride of all Italy's ships at the time. It was the largest, fastest, and supposedly safest. Oh no. Oh. I feel like that might be leading. So it had um, 11 watertight compartments and similar to the Titanic, remember this bit from the film, any two of them could be filled with water without getting into trouble, but more than two, you're fucked. It's a really interesting thing that you've taken away from that film there. <laughs> the engineering. <laughs> I Yeah, I yeah. Okay. I remember that scene. I think I've seen that film quite a lot, probably. I mean, I mostly I remember the sweaty hand scene. That was very formative. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. It's your thing about condensation. Oh, I just, condensation. Little water droplets. Not naughty little water droplets. Oof. Oof. Oh, oh, oh. 
boats. <laughs> so um, it it had a knife lifeboat to accommodate all passengers and crew, and it had loads of the most modern navigational equipment. It had two sets of radar. So basically, it was fancy. Yeah, it sounds it. However, in the design phase of it, models that they were testing predicted that the ship would develop a large list if it was hit by a significant force. I don't know what that is. I was going to ask you, do you know what a list is? It's when it, it's when it tilts to the side. Oh, OK. A tilt. Yeah. Why do boat people have to use stupid words? It's very well, elitist. Listing just means tilt in, an, in any event. Shh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Rhea. God, you found the like subjects that I, words that I know nothing about. Because apparently <laughs> if that is a word in non-boat worlds, then I need to go back to school. Well, do point out every time um, you don't understand a word, because I'd love to <sighs> to educate you on something for once. Oh. <laughs> Um, so that was in the the models when they were designing it, but it was confirmed during the maiden voyage, which was in January 1953, mm-hmm. when it was hit by a large wave during a heavy storm and it listed 28 degrees. What's a, what's a wave? <laughs> nice. What's a large. What is word? <laughs> um, yeah, so 28 degrees, that's quite a lot. If you think about yeah, yeah. 30 degrees, that's quite a lot. You don't, that is that's, a lot. That's kind of scary. Um, but despite that, it made it safely to New York and it was only a few minutes behind schedule. So I think oh. it, just, <laughs> it got hit by this wave. It tilted a lot. Everyone was like, whoa. Uh, and then it tilted back and they were like, yay. Sounds pretty fun. Love that they made it like just on time. In Japan, they would have been fined. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. So the journey it was in july of 1956 so it was only three years after the maiden voyage mm-hmm. the andrea doria set off from italy on its 101st crossing it stopped in Cannes and naples to collect passengers and two days later it arrived in gibraltar to get its final passengers before it went out onto the atlantic ocean mm-hmm. towards new york there were 1706 passengers and crew in total on board on the 25th of July in New York, the Stockholm was leaving port. And mm-hmm. so that's another passenger liner, but it's from the Swedish American line. Um, and how many pools does that have? How many? Uh, no pools. Oh, well. No pools. I don't think it's it the peasant boat. So it's a passenger liner um, and it was roughly half the size of the Andrea Doria. So it was a little baby. Baby boat. It was actually the smallest passenger liner doing that particular journey at the time. And it had 742 passengers and crew on board. That's still a lot, considering it was like the smallest. Yeah, well, it's, it's less than half than the other one had. Yeah. But I, uh, I guess it's still got to be pretty robust to be doing this, this journey. Yeah, so it did. It had a, um, the bow was really strong because it had to, it sailed close to the Arctic. Mm. Um, so it had an ice breaking bow. Yep. Do you know what about it? <laughs> That's the front. It is the front. And the starboard port, are the other bits, and the back is the back of the boat. The back is the stern. Yeah. 
That's what I said. Do you know which starboard and port are? Um, is it? Oh no! All I know is that the the word posh comes from about being port on the starboard something. That was a great anecdote for you there. Yeah, oh, nice. <laughs> thanks. Just so port. This is irrelevant to my story, but I'm just trying to <laughs> educate you for once in my life. Port yeah. is um, left and starboard is right. And mm-hmm. for some reason, I remember that because port has four letters and left has four letters. <laughs> so You don't really know anything. Educated. Okay, cool. I will remember that now. You've just been schooled. So, um, <laughs> yes. The Andrea Doria is heading to New York. Stockholm is leaving New York. I think you can predict what happens next. Mm-hmm. The collision. <laughs> so around 10.30 p.m., both ships were approaching each other, but neither of them were following the kind of rules of the road. I don't know what the fuck. Were they traveling at the 2,000 knots? Old. 200 knots per day. Yeah. Um, so the Stockholm was traveling 20 miles north of the recommended route for ships going that direction. But why? It was trying to save time. Right. So it, it was meant to be a shortcut so it could get there faster. Um, but it was illegal. It was a violation of an agreement that the liner had signed. Um, it was basically sailing straight into an oncoming traffic. That is bad news. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, the Andrea Doria was travelling in heavy fog and had been for hours, but had only reduced its speed by 1.2 knots, which is about 1.4 miles an hour. Oh, so not at all, basically. Yeah. Why even bother? Like those pricks who drive in like really heavy rain, like 110 up the right hand side of the motorway. And you're like, you could not stop if you wanted to. Yeah. Cool. So the Stockholm had seemingly not quite entered the edge of the fog bank and it was not, it seemed unaware of the other ship inside of it. Um, But at 10.45, they picked up each other on radar, but the, whoever, the radar man misinterpreted. (laughs) You don't know a word. I I don't know ship word for radar man. Yeah. Captain? Um, the cat was someone misinterpreted someone each other's course. Oh, I don't know the rules of the sea, but I know on rivers you're supposed to pass on the right. Okay. <laughs> um, but there will be a rule in the sea. I presume it's the same. Yeah. Um, so if it is that you pass on the right, so you if you're approaching something, you steer more towards your right and they still right they're right so that you get out of the way but the andrea doria gradually steered to its left attempting a starboard to starboard passing um those those maniacs (laughs) and the stockholm turned about 20 degrees to its right trying to widen the distance when doing a port to port passing it's a classic starboard starboard port port conundrum yeah. And if you think about two things going towards each other, if one goes left and the other one goes right, then they're just going yeah. towards each other. Even so they're just more. playing chicken at this point. Yeah. Um, and they, because of the fog, by the time they could see each other, they were quite close. 
and it was then that the crews realized that they were on a collision course traveling towards each other at a combined speed of 46 miles an hour <gasps> whoa <laughs> it doesn't sound a lot but remember one of them does have a bow that can break through ice yeah shit and like everyone on board not marine animals so they won't be able to live in the sea if they oh, crash right, okay i was so <laughs> tenuous <laughs> Yeah, I can't live Tenuous in the sea. Again. <laughs> so one Doria officer shouted, she's coming right at us, but it was too late. <gasps> Stockholm's bow crashed into the Andrea Doria's side like a battering ram at an almost 90 degree angle. Oh, like T-boned. Penetrating <laughs> nearly 40 feet into its hull. Whoa. Holy shit. That is a lot. After a few seconds, it broke loose, leaving a gaping hole in the side of the Doria. Uh-oh. Like your mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rhea's biggest reaction this evening. So. <laughs> your mom joke. <laughs> so passengers described the sound like a big explosion, like a firecracker. And in a cabin, a man woke to find that the exterior wall of his room had been completely sheared off. His wife, who had been reading in bed, had simply disappeared. Oh, my God. <gasps> no. No. Imagine waking up. Oh, Depends so... how much you like them. But, yeah, that's horrible. But let's assume they, he did. Oh, I'm um, sorry. And another person who was sleeping in a side cabin was somehow lifted from her bed and thrown onto the bow of the Stockholm, where she landed with only a broken arm. And she told the astonished Stockholm sailor who found her, I was on the Andrea Doria. Where are you now? (laughs) I was on the Andrea Doria. Where were you? (laughs) (laughs) What am I doing here? Wow, she is nails. That's awesome. That's Isn't it? I love that. That's yeah. Favourite bit. Favourite Um. So, consequences. Five fuel tanks on Andrea Doria's starboard side were torn open and filled with thousands of tonnes of seawater. And in the five empty tanks on the other side of the ship, air was trapped in them, which meant that the that side floated more easily and the other side was filling up with water Uh so it contributed to a severe list of 20 degrees (gasps) was designed to handle a list no greater than 15 degrees oh that's five more (laughs) (laughs) maths (laughs) um so the sphere list pulled the tops of the bulkheads below the level of the water which meant seawater could flow freely down the corridors stairwells and any other way the bulkheads are like the big you should know this from titanic man they're like the big dividing walls right that like make up the structure of the ship okay but that i that answer is vague because i don't fully know but it's something like that it's still more than me so um there was another problem that the captain encountered so he called to abandon ship but the list was so bad that only half the lifeboats could be used. Oh. So basically all of one side, because it was tilting so much, was rubbish. Couldn't use it. Sugar. And the remaining lifeboats could only carry around a thousand of the ship's 1,700 passengers. So that's 700 left. It's 
El nombre. <laughs> just follow me around. Do maths behind me whenever I say numbers. Do you guys remember El nombre? No. The little rat in the desert. Yeah, El nombre. Yeah. All right, I guess I'm too fucking old. Yeah, probably. I think it was like a, a children's TV program, like daytime TV, if you miss school in the 90s you'd watch El Nombre and learn to count and he was I think he was he Mexican yeah he had a, a little, little on yeah it was really cute and it had a banging theme tune <laughs> yeah well uh, my generation had Roland Rat who went down the toilet <laughs> wow yeah de- things have definitely got worse <laughs> educational content in the 80s yeah See. the 80s were wild well not in the well was it the 80s I suppose yeah, it would have been transitioning. Yeah, late 80s, yeah. 1880s. Yeah, yeah, 1780s. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> I dare you. <laughs> He's doing more maths, oh my God. Um, right, so, uh, yeah, sinking, basically. And Andrea Doria radioed, here, danger immediate, need lifeboats, as many as possible, can't use our lifeboats. On top of that, the launching of the usable lifeboats was another problem as many of them were left only partially loaded taking about 200 people in total if they learned nothing from the titanic i know right i like obviously i didn't learn anything from the titanic but (laughs) didn't learn what a fucking bulkhead was exactly or like what a a list is or how to (laughs) tap a window whilst having sex oh no i did learn that the one (laughs) One thing she did learn. That was my key takeaway. (laughs) Right. So rescues. Rescue started. Um, The Stockholm was determined to be stable, even though it had a big fucking hole in the front of it. It was. Oh, it was determined to be stable. Not it has entity. And it it was trying (laughs) real hard to stay afloat. I am determined to be. Little fucking ship succeeded. Aww. And it, so, yeah, it was in no imminent danger of sinking. So it began rescuing passengers from the Doria and several other vessels answered the distress calls and raced to the scene to help. So though help had arrived, the situation aboard the Doria remained perilous. Debris from the collision had trapped some of the passengers in their cabins. Many on the lower levels had to brave smoke-filled hallways and knee-deep water on their way out of the boat. Um, those who gathered by the useless portside lifeboats faced their own set of problems. <laughs> it was listing. Why are you laughing? No, you called them useless. Yeah, you you called them useless, like the lifeboats, but they were just like <laughs> useless, <laughs> bloody useless. I mean, they were useless at that point. I wasn't no, they faced people useless. No, was, they faced their own set of problems: nut allergies, stubbed toes. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, because it was listing to its right, the main deck had turned into a very steep, slippery slope. And to reach the other side, where the lifeboats were working, lots of people had to lie on their backs and slide down the deck, making sure that they stopped before they careened off the edge and into the water. Mm. That sounds quite fun. In in like a long, that's nice, the bit of where you're like, oh my it. god, I'm gonna <laughs> die! I'm quite high. There's black water. Yeah, no, it sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> from the person who wants to watch Mayan sacrifices um, yeah and all the time this was going on the ship was continuing to roll and threatening to capsize at any moment 
So the Stockholm like, Center. Go on, I'm going to do it. I'm yeah. going to do it. Go on then, mate. We know it's got agency. Maybe it can also talk. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually just like a cute little cartoon boat with a face. Aww. Oh, Steamboat oh. Willie. No, it's wait. It's also very aggressively threatening to drown everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Don't piss me off. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the Stockholm sent lifeboats to shuttle survivors back to it, and the other boats did the same. Um, and during the wait for the survivors to be returned to New York, a news commentator broadcast a professional account of the collision, not telling listeners that his 14-year-old daughter had been aboard that and <gasps> oh. was feared dead. Um, whoa. It was later revealed she had survived and was the person who had been thrown from the Doria no. the <laughs> Stockholm and asked where she was. Did she uh. then... Did she also then throw a little blue heart necklace off the side of a boat 80 years later? What a main character thing to happen. And she went, oh. <laughs> She makes a weird little... She does make a weird sexual little... Sexual noise when she does it. Um, and I like this fact. So all the major department stores and shoe stores had boosts set up to give the arriving survivors clothing and shoes. Aww. Um, I am going to go really quickly through the aftermath because I just want to talk about the wreck. Um, so out of the 17, what was it? 1700. Yeah. Um, 1,663 passengers were rescued. Oh, that's um, bloody good stats. It's not bad. Uh, including one very fortunate American sailor who had slept through the entire collision and evacuation, <laughs> but had been lucky enough to be rescued from the abandoned ship before it sank completely. Icon. So fortunately, something found him before he just disappeared down with the ship because he was asleep. Wow. <laughs> yeah. He was uh, that drunk. Dude. Probably. He was a sailor. Maybe he yeah. was tired. So yeah. it took 10 hours for it to sink, which is why so many people managed to be rescued, but 51 people did die as a result of the crash. Five on the Stockholm and 46 on the Doria. Some of the bodies were recovered during the sinking, identified and returned to relatives, but the rest were lost at sea as they either drifted away, sank or were inside the Doria when it went down. The ship's owners both blamed each other for the tragedy, but there was an out-of-court settlement and a trial was averted and no one was held officially responsible. Right. Um, and the Stockholm had the bow replaced for $1 million and was the oldest ocean liner still in service up until 2020 when she was retired. A million dollars in the 50s? Yeah. That's also, nuts. She was she's carried on working for like 67 years. Oh, workhorse. I don't know, 70 years, something. That's crazy. Mm. Without incident? Yeah, well, they built things to last back in the day. <laughs> Good old those ships. useless lifeboats. <laughs> Good old 50s. Um, so this is my last bit. It's about the wreck. Um, so this is why I picked this one, because this wreck is super fucking dangerous. And actually, lots of people have died just on the wreck. Whoa. Not on the actual, like, going down with the ship. So the wreck is now commonly referred to as the Mount Everest of scuba diving and has become a yardstick by which the world's best divers measure themselves. So because of the difficulty, it basically puts it in. Uh, you can only do it if you're 
the most experienced technical divers. Wow. Um, so it only takes four minutes to reach the wreck from the surface, but you only have a few minutes to explore. So a typical dive includes only 15 or 16 minutes exploring the wreck before you have to leave. Wow. At least 22 divers have lost their lives trying to see the shipwreck for themselves. So what, what is it that's so difficult? It's just really deep or? I'm going to tell you. So dangers include water temperature, the depth, strong unpredictable currents and heavy sediment that can reduce visibility to zero. Right. So and just swimming around in the dark. Yeah, basically, this sh diving is fucking dangerous. That sounds horrific. And ways divers had died include getting lost in the ship's collapsing compartments because oh. it's decaying and so the layout is changing. Uh, oh, faulty equipment. That oh, shit man. just happens sometimes. Yeah. Um, being stricken by the bends. So yeah. depression sickness on the way back up. Nitrogen narcosis. So that is the condition that can occur below 100 feet. And it's when too much nitrogen builds up in the blood, but it causes symptoms that similar to being drunk. Mm. No. So obviously, if your thinking is impaired when you're diving, you're not checking your air gauges, you're not following your line back up it's really dangerous or shit can go wrong jeez um there is an invisible web of fishing lines that's wrapped around parts of the uh, wreck so they can snag scuba deer and people have become tangled and trapped did you just say scuba deer she did, did I? <laughs> like little scuba yeah. diving deers yeah Aww. kind of adorable <laughs> scuba deers I don't uh, want to snag those scuba deers. I want to leave them free. Okay. <laughs> um, some people have just panicked and spit out their mouthpieces and drowned. And some people have collapsed when their hearts have just given out. Oh. So uh, water is 800 times denser than air. So each mover diver makes takes 800 times more effort. And you're combining that with the weight of the equipment. And the cold temperature and it's just so much stress on the body that some people have actually just died from heart attacks from while doing it well um, yeah that's crazy um and i'm just going to leave you on this thing that i thought was really fucking creepy divers call andrea doria a noisy wreck as it emits various noises due to continual deterioration and the currents moving broken metal around inside the hull no haunted fully haunted yeah People died when it sank. Almost half of the number who died when it sank have died just diving it. So what? imagine diving around it. There's all these dangers. There's fucking invisible fishing lines that you can get wrapped up in. And then there's just like creaking metal noises coming from oh. behind you and all around you. That's giving me goosebumps. That's It's like that's some oh. kind of video game horror. Yeah. That's Bioshock shit. Yeah. <laughs> And that's that's the Andrea Doria. Nice. I loved it. An actual shipwreck. I love it. I really hope it's haunted by the woman who was reading her book. She's just floating around there. Oh. Making loud noises, having the time of her life. Nothing can hurt her now. The time of her death. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, that was really interesting. That was by far... More interesting than anything I read. Maybe I just didn't Google the word shipwreck. <laughs> it was far more relevant. Yeah, but 
No, it was good. Really this good. This was a listener requested topic. I had to, I'm giving them what they want, you know. I'll be taking that person's name after we finish recording and having a stern word. Stern! <laughs> oh! Uh, yeah, also, we won't be giving Mimi the name. <laughs> uh, don't worry. Do not fear the wrath of Mimi. As if I have any wrath. Right, Rhea. Uh, yeah, it's me. Um, so I am going to talk about the white ship. Um, <laughs> Vague. Yeah, well, I'll tell you more about it and you'll learn uh, more about the white ship as we go on. So the link to maritime archaeology is that digital archaeologists have dived on the site uh, just off the coast of France this year. And they were actually joined by Charles Spencer, um, who wrote a book about the white ship and is also Diana Spencer's brother. Oh, so Princess Diana. Yes. So he's he's a, a history uh, buff. Uh, <laughs> um, and I actually listened to a podcast that he put together of a lecture that he made about the white ship. So I'm going to tell you how it got to be uh, under the water just off the coast of France. And um, and it's kind of interesting. So um, it's <laughs> lived. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, like maybe you'll find it interesting. Maybe you won't. Like maybe I don't care. Maybe I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, <laughs> so uh, it is linked to William the Conqueror. Have you guys heard of William the Conqueror? Yeah, I know of him. I know his name, but I know nothing about him. Okay, well, in 1066, <gasps> he came over <gasps> and won England in the Battle of Hastings and killed the traitor Harold. Bloody oh. Harold. Is this bio, bio tapestry, dude? This is exactly uh, the Bayo tapestry. Yes. So, yeah. So William the Conqueror, who was in fact also William I of England, he was winning England by bloodshed, basically. He was keeping everyone in line. He was ruling the country. He was having a grand old time. <laughs> Sounds like and, you, Rhea. Well, and I think actually during the invasion, the ship that then becomes uh, important in this story was gifted to him by a cousin. Um, and it's called the Moira. And it's it became known as the White Ship. And uh, it, it was a clinker ship. It was kind of put together, I suppose, in, in what you might think of as like the old Viking sort of way. So like this was like a, a big ship designed to be rowed by, you know, a ton of men who <laughs> like your mom <laughs> hey, hey. Um, what a clinker she is and and whilst you're using it for battle you know like it's it's a standard ship it's great it's you know fairly straightforward get in row to the other side get out attack some people fucking brilliant um <laughs> It's a fast ship. It, it's, it's a good little mover. Um, <laughs> but um, sometimes it's not necessarily as stable as you'd like it to be, which is going to become relevant later on. So he has nine children 
and um, yeah, so four of them are boys, but one of the boys does die. Um, the thing is, I'm not sure that I actually know the names of the daughters. Um, only one of the daughters I know the name of. I did. I I researched the hell out of this, and I got annoyed at how long it was taking to find the names of his daughters. So uh, I stopped. Wow. Yeah. So one of his daughters is called Adela. Um, so he had Robert, who was his oldest son, uh, Richard, who died young, William Rufus, who by all accounts was a bit of a dickhead, and uh, Henry, who was a dickhead in a different way. <laughs> so Family of dickheads. Yeah, kind of. So... William didn't really get on with his oldest son, Robert, and uh, and he called him Robert Kurthose as a derogatory name because Kurt means short and hose <gasps> is for your legs. Oh. So, no, it wasn't his knob. He wasn't calling him <laughs> short knob. Because <laughs> oh, that's a burn from your own father. <laughs> I mean, no, I... It, it wasn't beyond him, if I'm super honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Robert Shortlegs was basically what <laughs> the nickname he gave his own fucking son. And he was kind of a bit shitty with him. Like, Such Robert. A shit insult. Yeah. Shortlegs. But like, he let uh, William and Henry, like, bully Robert. Like, he, he did let him become Duke of Normandy, but. <laughs> didn't want to like seriously um so William as well as being king of England was Duke of Normandy and so that's what he left to Robert so when he died Robert got you uh got Normandy William Rufus became king of England and Henry got some silver coin (laughs) (laughs) yeah though it was a little it does seem a little like get fucked Henry but um but apparently he did say oh I'm sure you'll outwit and become stronger than both of them, uh, which is interesting. So then William Rufus is going around like apparently being like uh, a massive sexual deviant and also just kind of being a tyrant over England. So like William the Conqueror had been like really bloody and violent, but William mm-hmm. Rufus was just like like fucking and then some, you know? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and Henry was just like, oh, why aren't I king of anything? This is really irritating. <laughs> um, As white men often ask themselves. Yeah, exactly. Um, but Henry, interestingly, might have been set up to go into the church uh, because he'd been taught how to read, but not how to write. <laughs> how does um, that work, please? I mean, they are two different writing skills. Is, yeah, writing is a fine motor skill. Yeah. More like, yeah, I feel like you'd pick one up when you're doing the other. Like a little, I mean, you know, a little bit. You're definitely not taught that at all. Like literally reading, you you learn by reading and right. Anyway, it's fine. Um, but like, but Henry was actually the only one of them that, that knew how to read. The others were like too busy being all violent and shit. I'll tell you this one thing. Before William the Conqueror died, Robert was in a pub with his two brothers and William and Henry got a full chamber pot and emptied it on him. Like that was the kind of shit that they were doing to Robert. Like 
uh, Robert Kurthose here have a full chamber pot, and his dad would be like, "Yeah, that was banging." Um, it, it, it was rubbish. So anyway, back to William Rufus being king of England. He goes on a hunting trip and um, and dies like almost immediately. Um, like oh. he gets he gets shot in the chest and doesn't um, make a sound falls forward onto the arrow and then completely dies and this is really bad luck because what they want at that time period is for you to say some last words so that you become right with God and all that kind of thing Mm. so that kind of just cemented the idea that William Rufus was just like fucked like (laughs) bye that man's in hell um Sir Henry was also on the hunting trip sees the death of his brother and is like right runs straight to Winchester, gets himself crowned. (laughs) (laughs) Brutal. Yeah, that is brutal. Uh, It's all pretty brutal at that time. So, like, he's run straight to Winchester and got himself crowned. There's Robert still over in Normandy being like, what the fuck? I I should be king. This is bullshit. (laughs) Like, this guy's a massive wanker. Um, He did uh, (laughs) then try to attack England, um, but Henry was like, nah, get fucked. And put him in a, uh, like, put him in a tower, had him, like, you know, detained for the rest of his life. And he lived till he was about 80. um, But, like, it wasn't, like, dungeons detained. It was, like, beautiful gardens, wonderful houses detained. I'd like to be beautiful garden detained. Yeah, me too. Me too. Mm. I say that, but lockdown fucking mm. sucked. Yeah, true. So then Henry is different from his dad because he's like, right, motherfuckers, I am an English king. I'm not, I'm not, don't think of me as like this invading French force. I am an English king. I speak English. I'm going to marry an Anglo-Saxon English woman. And my kids are going to be kings and queens from here till fucking forever. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. he, he marries Matilda, who was from Scotland, so Queen... The so Scotland. not English at all. <laughs> but, like, Anglo-Saxon. She right, is an yeah. Anglo-Saxon woman. She is a local, like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, close enough. Yeah? Yeah. Um, and, oh, no, cool. and he has two uh, legitimate children with her. So William and Matilda. Henry also had a fuck-ton of illegitimate children. Like... Uh, up to 30 30 yeah like a ton of illegitimate children busy boy but he was setting up William to take the crown and and Henry would like marry off his various illegitimate children to cement relations with various people so like Henry was just business children business (laughs) children no for sure um and he was very um rules oriented so he was so like whilst Rufus was like running around being like a crazy ass dickhead and William the Conqueror was being all bloody and mean Henry was also very fucking mean but within the rules so <laughs> I like, love mean with the rules so like he laid down the law for example he he's actually the king that started the um the exchequer like the you know money shit like chancellor did- of the yeah, yeah, yeah. He started that whole thing. And he was in charge of all the minters and things like that who were making the coins. Mm. Um, but he discovered that they weren't making them as pure as they should have been. So he invited them all 
to his um you know lands and and spoke with them and then the ones that had been making the impure coins or like you know lower grade he cut off their hands and genitals oh that escalated quickly yeah yeah so you know he was harsh but but also fucking harsh like what do do they just die or uh i don't know how do you live with no hands or genitals in how do you live with no genitals i i I mean, I don't know. I didn't investigate it. That was as sad as I wanted to hear about their lives. Um, And then also, like, again, another example where he's a stickler for the rules. He married um, his illegitimate daughter off to a count in um, in Europe somewhere. I can't remember exactly where. And there was a nearby uh, landowner and the relationships between those two landowners was really bad. So basically he set up a thing where they would hold each other's children as hostage <laughs> to like try and cement relations. Nice. Uh, yeah, it, it was common. So it was kind of like, you know, tit for tat. Anyway. His... I'd be like, keep them. Keep my business children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So his daughter his illegitimate daughter she had a hostage of a little boy and her two little girls had gone to the little boy's parents and I guess she got like a bit pissed off with this kid so um so she blinded him so Henry was approached by the boy's dad and the boy's dad said well I've got her kids as hostage and so by right I I should blind the girls. Mm. And Henry was like, yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah. And actually, whilst you're blinding my granddaughters, you're also allowed to cut off their fucking noses because she shouldn't have blinded your kid. <gasps> wow. But, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But he was he was fucking brutal. Yeah, um, sounds it. So anyway, he's got his two legitimate children he's like all set he's got these connections all over the world William's going to become king after him everything is going to be fucking brilliant (laughs) so he visits Normandy with his son William and he's all like yeah this is this is a boss ass time we're having a great time here (laughs) I've actually uh, I've got to head home soon and then uh, the captain of the Moira do you remember the Moira we talked about earlier, the white I, ship? I do. Which is Henry and is like, dude, this is the ship that was gifted to your father and he attacked England with it. And we could <gasps> actually, we could sail you in this ship and that would be fucking cool, right? And Henry's like, yeah, no, that would be fucking cool. But I've already arranged this fucking ship. So like, <laughs> maybe, maybe my son will go on it. And William was like, yeah, that seems like a fucking cool idea. So Henry's all like, okay, cool, peace. And goes off on his ship back to England. But then William is drinking with his friends and a bunch of other like lords and ladies and landed gentry and what have you. And they're all like, oh, we've got to go back. And one of them's like, oh, my God that fucking warship you've got that goes super fucking fast. I bet we could beat your dad back to England. <gasps> and he's like, yeah, that's <laughs> <sounds> great. 
like, fuck yeah. Woo! So they're all like getting on the ship and they're like, yeah, this is going to be fucking cool. I brought all the wine. Everybody drink some wine. Hey, you guys rowing, drink some wine. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Party um, boat. And then Party some boat. boats came along to bless the ship before its journey, because that was really common at the time, was that you would get uh, the ship blessed by God um, so that, you know, you don't fucking die. But they were like, get fucked, monks, and sent them away. No, yeah. not the monks. <laughs> and so they start, they start the ship and they're like going super fucking fast. They're like, yeah. So they um, leave from Buffler and, um, and they're going too fast, probably. I think that's the thing. They are drunk. They are excited. They are like, <laughs> yeah, we're fucking going. We're going to beat the king. <laughs> um, and How uh, drunk are you right now? <laughs> yeah, like, not at all. Uh, <laughs> but I'm just imagining how great it would be. Um, but they can't, they can't navigate as well as they would like to because they're, they're going so fast. Because they're so hard to yeah. They they hit the um, Kibuf rock, which is near Barfleur. So, like, they've barely even fucking left. <laughs> and uh, and the boat starts going down um, and everyone's getting a bit panicked. And the thing is, they're drunk, they're cold, they're wearing silks, they're dressed for a party. Like, they're not, they're not coping. Um, and there was a boat that was kind of, uh, I suppose they were using as a kind of lifeboat, but it starts getting ridiculously overcrowded. Like the people who are in this boat see William immediately get him because he's the important one. He's the one that matters. And they're rowing away from the site of the tragedy where essentially like you've got, you know, 70 to 80 landed gentry, lords, ladies, what have you. Uh, sort of dying um, so like not only does this accident take out the king's son which it does shortly oh. um, spoiler alert yeah so like he he was on the little boat but unfortunately his illegitimate child illegitimate half-sister another Matilda is on the rock floundering like floundering in the water and she apparently is loud enough to be able to call him a few choice words about being unmanly and a coward and could he just turn that fucking boat round and come back and get her so he does oh yeah wasn't Uh, expecting that no unfortunately everyone else was quite desperate to live as well so they all try to scramble onto the lifeboat and it sinks Oh, 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 shit. Yeah, yeah. And also happened in Titanic, sort of. <laughs> yeah. So basically, I think just about everyone dies on board, uh, except for a butcher, which is how we have the account. He'd gone onto the boat trying to get some debt paid from some of these people who'd ordered his wares. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> Lock yourself on a boat with people that owe you money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nice. No, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I'm going with you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's also the story that uh, the captain did survive, but decided that since William was dead, he, he didn't want to face Henry, so he let himself drown. Oh, 
Oh, mm. yeah. And the thing is, he was probably right. <laughs> I mean, we've, we've talked about what Henry did to yeah, his yeah, own true. granddaughters. So I wouldn't yeah. want to face him either. Yeah. No, no, you just wouldn't. So anyway, that basically means that Henry becomes very distraught and basically spends the rest of his life trying to, um, I guess, be very pious and kind of have more of a relationship with God. So he builds the abbey in Reading. And um, yeah, he tried uh, to have more legitimate children. His first wife, Matilda, dies and he has a second wife, but they they never have any children. So the only legitimate child he has is Matilda. And basically, at the time, everyone was like, nah, get fucked. We're not having Matilda. (laughs) (laughs) They put her cousin, Stephen Bloy, on the throne. What's his name? Stephen of Bloy. C-L-O-I-S. Oh, it's a French word. Yeah. Most of the words that she's been saying are, which I love that you've just now realised. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, that was it, really. Um, Matilda did try and fight Stephen for quite some time, but the barons went ahead. They were like, nah, he's king. Go get yourself fucked. Uh, there was a bitter civil war, which was called the anarchy um so like at the same time that the white ship disaster kind of destroys takes out like a whole like generation of lords ladies and what have you then the ensuing war the anarchy takes out even more so it's kind of just like a really fucked time um but yeah so they've they've they think they found the ship just off the coast of France and they've been taking like imagery of it and making 3D reconstructions um, and they think it's the one so that's kind of cool that is very cool what are they going to do with it yeah Uh, probably just go oh look we found it yeah let divers dive it yeah probably I like that that was like not only the shipwreck itself but also the many countless unnecessarily early ended lives that that came after it too so yeah yeah very in keeping with your usual yeah i like i like the uh the fucked up stuff yeah as always Uh, well can i tell you one more thing then about how henry the first died (laughs) if it's grim yes oh actually there's two grim deaths so yes william the conqueror when he died he was massive like he got he got so fucking fat (laughs) <laughs> like he got crazy fucking fat. The oh, problem no. was that they'd made him a stone sarcophagus <gasps> when he was much younger. Oh. So when it came to his funeral, they had to fucking stuff him into it. <laughs> Incredible. And it burst his guts. Oh. Oh. People, yeah. People had to leave the funeral. <laughs> 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 Stay, are you? Yeah. I mean, when you when you I mean, like pay your respects, Nina. <laughs> I love it. Real okay. and people had to leave. <laughs> so no rude. shit, no shit, okay. man. All right, so that's gross, yeah. 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 Okay, so Henry the First. It was another visit to Normandy, and he was basically he. I mean, like, he was getting bigger. Like, king, kings get bigger as you get older. But I don't think he got anywhere near as big as William the Conqueror. Right. But the point was, 
Henry the First fucking loved lampreys. Lampreys are basically like a long parasitic fish. So oh, they use yes, like, like an eel, but then it's got like the ring here, like a fucking um, that's like a sucker, like a leech. Yeah, yeah like a leech. Ew. Um, and he would eat those fuckers. He would eat a lot of those fuckers. And his physician would be like, please don't eat those fuckers. <laughs> please. <laughs> it, will, it will kill you. And Henry's like, no, motherfucker, I'm going to eat more. Um, nom, 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 nom. Um, and then he died. And it, it was written on his death certificate that he died of a surfeit of lampreys. So Delicious. Just too many fucking lampreys is what killed him. That's his official fucking death. Oh, oh man. I thought you were going to say one of them, like, suckered onto his mouth and ate Oh, him. no, I don't think he ate them alive. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he's not a monster. Anyway, that's not the end. He wants to be buried at Reading, yeah? But he's his body's in Normandy. Unfortunately, at the time of year that he's died, it's like it's actually really dangerous to travel on the channel. So oh, they okay. wrap him up in ox skin to preserve him. Um, and, uh, and they actually wait. And he, his body makes it to Reading a year later. Whoa. And when they're unwrapping him no. from the ox skin, <laughs> the smell is said to be so disgusting or noisome that it killed the person who was unwrapping him. No. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> That's what they wrote. That's the hyperbole. It, it was. It's not so bad that I died. Yeah. <laughs> I literally died. I literally died, guys. <laughs> How I speak. Um, but yeah, that's that's the end. Loved did... it. <laughs> oh my How... god, the disgusting parts. Just highlight. Yeah, beautiful. Death by lampreys. Also, a, a key a key highlight. The thought of someone. Being squished into their yeah esophagus so hard. It's the fact that they none of them were like, you know, maybe we should think of an alternative. They were like, just get a bigger one. Just we just cram him in. Oh yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah, like uh oh, spaghettios. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna have to do a similar thing for me. You guys realise, but it will say like death by mini eggs. Yeah. On my death certificate instead. Oh my Amazing. God, so good. Okay, um, how did how did your craft go? Oh, I've done classic me, haven't finished yet. Yeah, I also haven't finished, but it's also because I got a bit grumpy with it. Um, yeah. I got to the boat and the ship and I, I was like, nah, fuck that. Oh, the sea oh, don't Oh go. my God, that's amazing. Yeah, leave it like that. That's a ghost ship. That's sick. Yeah. That's the white ship. Oh, yeah. that is amazing. Nina, yeah, show me yours. Oh, um. Oh, that's cool. It almost looks kind of oh, like Japanese It's like it's on yeah. linen. It's on a cheap canvas. Oh, it's on canvas. That's why. It looks very um, authentic. Yeah, I'm going. I need to. I've got a kraken to do. A crack. Are you going to do a kraken? Yeah. Sick. Um, mine is not finished, but I also don't like it. And as I said, I was too ambitious. Um, so it is. Sacrificed person. Oh, nice! Under the the water with some of the god rays shining through, but they just look like like that. Yeah, white lines. I like it. 
It's less um, literal than ours. <laughs> I always well, go quite literal. I mean, I went so tenuous on the topic that I thought I should probably go equally <laughs> abstract. Do that actual craft. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, listeners will pop these uh, amazing paintings on the socials as usual. And you can either be really impressed or you can have a good laugh, depending on who's you're looking at at that very moment yeah. in time. Tell us either way. We don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. We will not get any better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, guys, what's what's our next topic? What are we talking about? Let me get the bag. Sac magique. Had the bag. Un, deux, what, what's sac magique? Oh, it's from Tots TV. Oh, is it? Yeah. yeah. Magic sack. Yeah. Yeah. Quite literally. <laughs> <laughs> the French man. <laughs> Where do they get off? <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> this is interesting because this is one Mimi submitted before yes. she was on the podcast. Parasomnia. Yes. So oh. what is that? Insomnia? Uh, no. So sleeping, par- sleeping like uh, things paranormal that go sleeping. Wrong. Yeah, like think well, things that go wrong while you're sleeping. So like things sleepwalking. That go wrong in the night. Yeah, essentially, yeah. You know, people that paralysis sleep like demons. Yeah, sleep paralysis, uh, sleep eating, sleep talking, anything that's weird with sleep. Oh, not being that's able to so broad and also creepy and specific. Yeah. Nice. Okay, so what equally awesome craft are we going to do with that? Um, painting's quite a lot of effort, so I'm yeah, not that. <laughs> fully game for something a bit more chill. Sketching? Yeah. Colour yeah. pencils. Colour pencils? Yeah. I have those. I hate them, but I'll do it. <laughs> you hate everything. I hate colour. Nina wants to do a goth Actually, no, painting. I love colour, but also I hate it. Well, but, I mean, you can just do tinges of colour in the darkness. Yeah, like red for blood. <laughs> okay, nice. There you go. There's goth colours. Okay, colour pencils if you're joining in, listeners. Yeah, and if you have any more suggestions for what crafts we can do that we haven't already done, please let us know because we're desperately running out of ideas. And if they're cheap, we'll give them a go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we will. So we're also always really excited to get topic suggestions as well, uh, especially when they're bleak and weird and creepy. So if you do have any ideas, make sure to email weirdinghour at gmail.com and we'll hopefully pull it out of the wonderful sac magique very, very soon. And if you want to read more about the stories we've told you today, as always, our sources are in the show notes. Um, Or you could just save yourself a whole step and just go straight to Wikipedia and type in shipwrecks, which I neglected to do this week, apparently. Yeah, do that. You won't see fucking what Mimi's been doing. Or you can listen to BBC lectures on podcasts on Audible. You you could do that. Yeah. Or you could listen to more of our episodes. Well, yeah, what yeah. Oh, look at that. What abs. Um, if you have enjoyed listening and we've given you even a a modicum of entertainment today, um, we'd really appreciate it if you just did us a solid. Uh, and do all of that annoying stuff like the sharing and the subscribing. And interestingly, because it's not actually that interesting, because of Instagram's algorithms, 
the best thing you can do to give us reach is to save our posts. So not the little likes. Yeah, the little, you know, the little love heart button that everyone thinks like, yeah, like, subscribe, all of that. L like us as well. But actually the little icon that looks like a ribbon, that's the save button. And Instagram that actually, is fucked, man. Yeah, Instagram wants all small businesses and ventures to fail unless you pay them lots of promotion money. So yes, so click the like little any ribbon. social media. Well, yeah. And hopefully more like-minded weirdos will be able to find us. Yeah, ribbon us, guys. Ribbon us. Wait, no. Wait, no, no, no. Uh, Ribboned for her pleasure. Hey! <laughs> what was that? <laughs> that was like a sexual ghost. <laughs> right, well, that's enough of that begging stuff and enough of that weird sexual ghost stuff. So, uh, so long, milkmaids. Okay, love you. Bye. Spread the wings.